What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer, Susan Slusser, and today our guest is Baseball America Executive Editor J.J. Cooper, who will talk to us about this strange baseball draft this year. It's just five rounds and a lot of the other surrounding issues with the draft, including the fact that minor leaguers right now will have no teams to go play for, plus who the A's might take in the draft. All of that coming up next on A's Plus. Our guest today on the A's Plus podcast is J.J. Cooper, the executive editor of Baseball America. J.J., you're, you're talking to us from the Raleigh-Durham area. That's, is that, that right? That's that is you're... correct. Um, the, the Triangle. The Triangle. That's a great baseball area, too. So um, you're definitely in a, in a good spot. So uh, Baseball America, of course, is the Bible for people that are interested in amateur baseball and the draft. And we turn to you this time of year to, well, all times of year to find out about amateur baseball and, and all forms of baseball, but especially now. And this is such an unusual draft for everybody. What's it been like for you at Baseball America trying to get ready to preview a five-round draft rather than a 40-round draft? I, and I'll probably feel a little differently on this, but selfishly, I mean, we, we pride ourselves in the 40-round draft. Like, again, I know that's probably gone and never re- to return, but it was really weird this year. Like, normally we will try to write up 900 players or so for the draft, and I we just couldn't justify the reasoning of, of writing up 900 players for a 160-player draft. We still did 500, which I will admit is insane, you know, by itself, but I, it's kind of, you know, it's a little bit disappointing that just from the standpoint of someone who, you know, we love the draft, we cover the draft every year very intensely, and day three is interesting. It's going to be weird not having day three and not really having half of day two because, you know, day two is really interesting where you have the normally the, you know, the sixth or the tenth round as well. Not going to have that this year, and that's going to be weird. Yeah, so it's kind of catch-as-catch-can, I think, with the, the rounds six through on. Those guys now, in essence, are free agents if they'd like to be, unless they go back to school in the case of high school guys. Or even, you know, the college players, most of them have their full eligibility for next year, and they could go back if they want. Do you guys continue to kind of cover those guys who are out and maybe looking for jobs and hoping to find free? Is it that kind of become almost part oh. of your draft coverage? Absolutely. We'll have a, uh, you know, a, a top 25 available seniors that we're going to roll out, you know, pretty much as soon as the draft's over. I mean, we expect, you know, one thing I'll note is, is I, there are players who maybe they won't have a scholarship if they go back, but with the NCAA rulings and all, there's pretty much the crazy thing is, is there's no such thing this year as a senior who doesn't have eligibility because everyone got an extra year of eligibility a freshman this year can be a freshman next year a senior this year can be a senior next year so it's going to be interesting to see you know the the the, what they can pay is extremely restricted like the twenty thousand dollars for any non-drafted free agent after the fifth round as opposed to in a normal year teams could spend one hundred twenty five thousand dollars on as many non-drafted free agents as they wanted so 
obviously a hundred thousand dollar difference there going on top of the fact that you could spend, you know, a sixth round pick slot for a sixth round pick was some $300,000. So it's taking a lot of money out of this draft, which is obviously I think the intent on MLB side in a, in a year where they're making a lot less revenue, but we're going to try to follow all that, but it's going to be really hard because it's not going to be purely based on talent. Some of it's going to be, this guy has already graduated and is ready to go on. Whereas this player is like, you know what, I'm going to go back to school and take my chances next year. And maybe I get 125 next year, or maybe I get, you know, 75 next year, which doesn't sound like a lot for a, you know, to sign a pro baseball contract, but is more than three times as much as what you can sign for this year. Yeah. And you look at it and you go like, well, some years, if that's a guy is undrafted and, and wants to continue playing baseball and, uh, maybe doesn't want to go back for a senior year or just wants to get out and play. You you could get that. Like mm-hmm. you're going to go sign with a team for maybe not a ton of money because you want to go play. Now there's no place for guys to go play. How much of a factor is that, that they're essentially that we're expecting no minor league season really whatsoever until maybe sort of an instructional league kind of thing. Well, what about this scenario? So let's say that you agree with you completely. Let's say that you signed this year as a $20,000 guy, right? And you don't get an official season. You there's instructs or something where you get to to work out with your you know with your new club or whatever. Then you go to spring training next year, and by everything that we've been reporting, everything we expect next year, the number of minor league teams will be cut from 160 this year to 120 plus the complexes, but less complex teams in Arizona and Florida than there were this year. So. To take the extreme example, the Yankees had two Gulf Coast League teams, an Appy League team, and a New York Penn League team this year, or was coming into the year, was expected when we had a season. Next year, they could have a, one Gulf Coast League team and then low A and on up. There's a possibility that there could be seniors or guys who signed this year, go to spring training next year, they're, they they get beat out in a very you know a, a very crowded rosters that are trying to winnow down to a pretty much smaller number, and so theoretically there can be players who sign this year and never play an official professional game, which I it, it's got to be one of the you know that would be one of those really frustrating Moonlight Graham esque uh, you know little moments, but at a much lower level like oh yeah yeah I signed with the uh, you know take your pick I signed with the A's. But did you ever play a game? Well, no, it was a really weird year. It, yeah. I went it, to instruct. These are that the was weird it. things that happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it's just crazy. To, um, I mean, what? Ha- so, so many teams have been releasing minor leaguers, too, just dozens yes. and dozens um, from some teams. And they all kind of go out into this pool of available guys, too. What happens to these guys, particularly if they're a little on the older side, maybe they've been trying to hang around, thought they had a shot, maybe at a 40-man spot or something coming out of the spring. What happens to these guys? It's going to be rough because one of the things, you know, I would say that some of these players who have been released, I would describe as these are the March releases that happened in May. And it doesn't, you know, belittle them or anything like that. But we, a lot of teams didn't do their end of spring training releases, and then they did them in May. Right. But the other thing we're seeing, much along the lines of what you're talking about, is a lot of guys who would be minor league free agents at the end of the year. You know, once you hit a, uh, once you've played basically seven years in the minors, you're a free agent, you can sign with any club. Well, with all these teams looking at it and saying, ah, we don't think there's going to be a minor league season, a lot of these players were released. And I truly hate to say it, but in some cases, I, I, a number of cases, I imagine that that probably means – 
that's the last contract they they you know that's the last contract they ever got. It happens every year, but this year it's going to happen to guys who, you know, uh, the reality is is they're going to have played their last game not knowing it was their last game. There's yeah. a difference, but you know, there, there's a difference between being called in, you know, to the uh, manager's office and told that, and basically sitting at home and all of a sudden you hear the word. That's a very different experience to me. Yeah. Yeah, your last game might have been a split squad, split squad game in, uh, you know, Peoria or something at some point in the spring, and you had no idea mm-hmm. until you know essentially May. And yeah, because these guys are going to have to go get jobs, and then you know once you got a job and you haven't played all year and nobody has interest, yeah, that's. Who? It's, it's, it's and you also got to train to. I mean, the reality is, is you're competing against all these other players out there, right? Well, right. baseball nowadays, training wise, is a year round job, right. and you're not getting paid, you're released. It's hard to, to also say, am I going to shell out the money? Am I going to spend another six months training to try to get that one more shot? Or is it time for me just to move on? Right. Now, how much with a surplus of amateur players uh, and guys coming out of college, coming out of high schools, whatever, not having necessarily a place to go with an organization, are indie leagues potentially going to pick up some of this, I hear a lot about JC's rosters are probably going to be packed, unlike you know many years. I think the answer is is yes, all of the above. Because especially the tough thing on the indie side is is, and they all hope to you know to be fine for maybe even later this year, but next year. But but we also have to realize like a lot of you know uh, indie ball right now. Much of the problems that we talked about as far as minor league operators is very much the same problems in indie ball where you have all these teams who haven't brought in any revenue this year. Yeah. And so it is, that is a perfect avenue for a type of player who's basically willing to essentially get paid very little money for the opportunity, for the hope. Right. But, you know, an incoming indie ball player is, when we talk about minor league salaries being very low, it, it's even lower in, in many cases in indie ball. I think that what you just said there, the JUCOs, College baseball rosters are going to be overstuffed. There's simply going to be more good players than there are spots. And it's going to have a whole lot of trickle-down effects because you're going to have players who expected to go sign pro out of high school who now are going to end up going to college. A lot of times they're going to end up at colleges who didn't expect to have them come there, who, by the way, are still under significant scholarship limitations, you know, 11.7, and throw on top of that, oh, yeah, by the way, at a very brutal economic year for colleges because coronavirus has meant that colleges in a lot of cases have been meeting online, which has cut revenues. There's expectations that enrollment at some schools will will drop next year because of all this. So at a difficult time for them, they're going to have more players, more fit players, players who in some cases they promise a half scholarship to, but the reality is, is now they're only going to be able to say, Hey, what about 25%? Because we also didn't expect – we expected this junior to go into the draft, and he came back. And, oh, yeah, by the way, he also plays your position. So we thought that you were going to be starting as a freshman or have a shot to start as a freshman. Now you're going to need to sit on the bench for a year, which may mean that that guy ends up going to a junior college, which knocks the kid who was planning to play at that junior college down the, down the rung as well. The knock-on effects from this are, are really going to take probably two to three years to fully kind of level out. Yeah, that's a – I mean, it's nutty when you – when you think about it, what does this do? You know, baseball talks a lot about diversity and inclusivity, and they certainly would like to become, uh, 
you know, a league that has more minority representation. There's a lot of talk about that. But when you're reducing the number of minor league teams and you're reducing the number of rounds in the draft, and there's something like a global pandemic that's obviously changing the way things like colleges, et cetera, how they're operating. Um, if players are going to be reduced to, in some cases, going to JCs because there aren't as many baseball scholarships available or even half scholarships, so very few full scholarships that were granted anyway, uh, and, indie, and you're going to indie leagues, it seems to me like it's taking away potentially a big chunk of lower socioeconomic people. You know, if, if you can't afford to go play uh, indie absolutely. ball or, you know, go back to college, college for another year without a scholarship. Yeah. It, it, this is something that when I talk to longtime scouts, one of the things that they're adamant about and one of the things they are very upset about is they feel that, that that's ex exactly what's going to happen here in, in a variety of ways. One, again, you know, the baseball, college baseball, division one level is not a full scholarship sport. 11.7 scholarships spread around, around 25, 20, you know, or so players. So most players playing on college baseball teams are getting somewhere between 25, 50, maybe 60% scholarships. A, one or two a team maybe is getting a full ride. Now, so a lot of those players are still paying significant amounts of money to play college baseball. Well, that right there closes the door in, in some ways to, to, you know, to people in a lower socioeconomic group. On top of that, the system as it currently exists in baseball, you know, with the draft, with a 20 or a 40 round draft, is that there are absolutely players every year who are drafted out of high school in the fourth, in the sixth, in the 11th round. And yeah, they're not getting the $3 million contract, but a lot of cases they're getting 275, 400,000 in that range. And right now it's already, you know, not what it used to be as far as being able to compete for multi-sport athletes. But right now, as it stands, some of those players who are known at the time, like they played, maybe they played, football, basketball, and baseball in high school. And it was known at the time that they were drafted. It's like, okay, this player is going to take a little longer to develop because he hasn't been playing travel ball for nine months a year, you know, for the last six years. So, but there's a lot of tools here, give him time and he's going to develop into potentially develop into a, you know, an excellent player. If you don't have the Appy league and the pioneer league or the New York Penn league and the Northwest league, if you don't have those multiple levels before low A, I've had teams say, like, we can't take that guy anymore. Because if you said, hey, for one, we're already competing in a lot of cases for these, you know, for, for better athletes, two-sport, three-sport athletes. We're competing against full scholarship basketball, full scholarship football. Yeah, again, obviously, the A's have the, you know, the example of remembering, you know, with, with Tyler Murray. Yep. It, but they're competing. And so the selling point you had is, okay, yes, you're going to have to toil in the minors for a while, but we're going to have you progressing up the ladder. And by the way, we're going to give you some significant financial security for the idea of doing that. I, I, another example, going back 10 years ago, Amir Garrett was a basketball baseball player, didn't even play baseball his senior year of high school because he was you know, a, a top basketball recruit. But the Reds really liked him, liked his athleticism, liked his arm, drafted him in the 22nd round paid him a million dollars and let him go play baseball I mean basketball still eventually he realizes 
He doesn't have an NBA future in basketball. Focuses on baseball full time. Now he's you know now he's a, a a pitcher for their big league club. Those avenues are kind of closed now because you're not going to have these lower these multiple levels to let a guy kind of develop step by step. You really are going to draft if you're drafting a high school player. There's going to be kind of that realization he needs to be ready to go to low class A probably in year two at the latest because the I no one really develops spinning two to three years in Arizona or Florida because it's kind of groundhog day and it kind of is a discouraging way for a lot of players to try to develop stuck basically playing in front of no fans for a very long period of time. We'll be back in just a moment with more with JJ Cooper. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What happens with the, with next year's draft? How comp- more complicated does next year's draft become? Most teams immediately start working on next year's draft after this year's draft. Uh, but nobody's playing. We're not quite sure when, when anybody will start playing. And there's going to be this backlog at colleges and junior colleges will be packed. I mean, it, it, how much does this complicate all of that? And, and throwing the added complication, no one knows right now whether teams will be allowed to go out for in-person scouting this summer or not. The the showcases are already, you know, the, the, the first major event of the 2021 high school summer showcase schedule. It starts June 17th. So the draft ends on the 11th, and less than a week later, the first event set to go in Hoover, Alabama, PG National, Perfect Game National. But right now, teams don't know if their scouts will be allowed to go or not. And also, on top of that, let's, you know, let's just be clear, teams also don't know, like, okay, you know, I can say this like I'm going through the same discussion. Like our, you know, our draft writer says, hey, should I go to PG National? I'm like, well, we got to talk about the health and safety questions first, Absolutely. you know, before we even talk about the cost and, and all that. So there's all those things added on top of it. There's <laughs> next year should be, again, a very loaded draft. It's also going to be a draft that's going to be the everyone starts further behind for next year's draft. Everyone that I talked to in scouting departments and all said, you know, this is not ideal this year, but the reality of it is, is that by the time you get to the spring of players draft year, you have a pretty long track record with most, most of these guys. Well, part of that's because you were watching them the year before, you know, and this spring, they didn't get to do that. You weren't getting to see, uh, you know, Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter that much while you were also scouting Austin Martin for Vanderbilt. You were, you know, you, you're not getting that because the season all ended, you know, after basically uh, four weeks. And so the high school side, you, you had guys who literally didn't even play. And now on top of that, you have the question of, are they going to be able to go out and scout in person this summer or are they not? Are all the events going to be able to go on? Yeah, obviously, there's not. The Cape Cod League is not playing this summer. There's no USA Baseball College National Team, which are a lot of these major yeah, – Spencer Torkelson, everyone was watching him last summer. The guy's going to probably be the number one pick in this draft. Everyone was watching him last summer play for the College National Team. 
that doesn't exist this year. So it's going to be a year where everyone's going to start behind and we don't know when they can start to kind of catch up or not because those decisions haven't been made both for health reasons, but let's also be clear. One, if they keep an in-person scouting ban, there's going to be health and safety reasons for doing that. But it's also the factor that's going to play into it is, is that, oh, well, by the way, we save a massive amount of money in a year where all these teams are not bringing in nearly the MLB teams are not bringing in the revenue they expected to bring in. Yeah. Well, the A's um, are a team that has furloughed all of its scouts, um, not the cross checkers, but the area scouts starting uh, as soon as the draft is over, which puts, which is a really strange situation anyway, like, Hey, uh, provide us all your information and expertise and then bye-bye. Um, but they're furloughed uh, right now through October 31st. And I've talked to a few of the A scouts who say, well, this is going to put us behind even more for next year because they really can't go out and do anything when they're furloughed. And and not only that, but and they probably shouldn't. You know, that that's the tough thing about this is is that these are driven people. You know, obviously we talked to a lot of scouts. I know you do too. These are driven people who baseball is a big part of their life. There is, in many cases, a uh, 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 you know. It, it, it impacts family lives and all that. There's a car, you know, there's a, a, a track record of divorces and all. It's a hard life in many ways, but it's something that these people, it's a passion for these scouts to do this. Well, but you shouldn't, you know, like if, if, if you're, if the team basically is furloughing you and saying, sorry, we can't pay you, then you shouldn't be working to get ahead, you know, for next year's draft. It's something where I, and long-term, I mean, the reality is is that when, you, when I look at the A's, one of the things that's always stood out the A's is that the A's have this have, – have a remarkable amount of people who have been A's employees for a very long period of time. There's a lot of loyalty. There's this close-knit group. And I, I, I do think you, you can't have anything other than your culture, your long-term culture, be negatively impacted by a decision like this because – Part of being a scout is being driven, kind of sticking around for that last game at one in the morning at Jupiter at Worldwood Bat when you've been there since eight in the morning. Right. And not everyone does that. And But when you do that, maybe that's the time that you see something that you need to see. Well, it's harder to do that after you've basically been told, sorry, you know, we're, we're, we're just not going to take care of you. We're not able to take care of you, whatever you want to call it. And – I do think it will have long-term negative ramifications, you know, because this is a, a sport where everyone prides on, you know, that it's the Dodgers way. It's the A's way. It's the Cardinals way. Take your pick of whatever it is. There's it. The whole focus is the whole goal is, is to have a lot of pride in the way your organization works and something like this, it, it leaves a mark. Yeah. I talked to uh, obviously a lot of A's employees who, who are saying exactly what you're saying. You know, they do have a lot of loyalty there. And this is despite being a team that's known as, you know, a lower budget team and, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes even called a little bit cheap. But they've retained their employees at a really, really uh, high level, probably higher than um, the industry average, I would say. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, that's a, a lot of it is just simply because they love the organization. And that's I think that dynamic changes. Now, the A's also made a sort of a unusual decision a couple of weeks ago when John Fisher decided to stop the minor league stipends, uh, the $400 a week stipends. He um, reversed course 
uh, a couple days ago. He talked to me, told me he apologized, he made a mistake, they've reinstated it. Does that decision, even though they've changed course, um, thank goodness, does that change things when they are going after, say, some of these free agents after the first five rounds are over? Uh, could could guys be looking at it and go, well, you know, the A's are the team that kind of pulled stipends for all. They reverse course, but, uh, you know, that makes me a little nervous. Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, again, if I, if, 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 just to say, let's say that I'm a player and I'm trying to decide, you know, there's going to be, I've heard it described as, you know, imagine a little bit like college recruiting because, no one can offer more. Everyone can offer the same thing. The maximum you can offer is $20,000. So if you have five $20,000 offers, again, if you have one and the only one is the A's and you want to play, well, then that doesn't really affect you. But if you have five and let's say one of them is one of these clubs that announced early on, hey, by the way, we're, gonna, we're not cutting any players and we're paying everyone through the end of the season. And you have the A's who said they were going to stop paying and then reverse course. Well, if I'm a player, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but you know that these other organizations by your, you know, by looking at it, took care of their players. That's going to be something that absolutely plays a factor. Now, again, it's only one factor. If, if I'm looking to, if I'm, if I'm a first baseman and I look at the A's depth chart and I go, Oh, I think I could make that team, you know, that, that low A team or that high A team, and I would rather sign with that probably even with all those concerns than a club right. that has three guys who, you know, who may beat me out. Right. But it absolutely plays a factor. And by the way, the other thing you just touched on, which is, is that the area scouts, one of the jobs of an area scout is to develop these relationships over the course of a year or sometimes three or four years. And these same players who you're going to be asking to make these decisions are going to also be the ones who know, wait a second, why am I not talking to the area scouts who I've known for three years? Absolutely. hundred percent. That is, I mean, the area scouts are going to be massively important when you're talking about this group of guy, undrafted players that are available. And a lot of these guys are going to be good players. I mean, it's not like the first five rounds are all sure things and everybody after that is terrible. There, there's some good talent there. And yeah, you're right. The, oh, the one guy they've been seeing at their games for three, four, five years even in some cases isn't there talking to them and they've got a cross-checker or an assistant GM. I don't know. Yeah, it's... And again, the thing about it is, is, and that's the conversation with the A's, but this other team that they're talking to, they're still talking to the area scout who's telling them, you know, by the way, they did a really good job taking care of me. You know, I mean, it's been a rough year, but, you know, they they have, you know, they haven't haven't laid any of us scouts off. Well, That plays a part in everything too. Yeah, the Royals are going to look come out of this looking really good for a lot, I think a lot of players, um, and uh, probably deservedly so. And some of the other teams that have made an early, very strong, very vocal commitment. Uh, it's it's true. The A's, uh, as many people noted at the time, the A's were talking about family at the same time as cutting people, and I think that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Now let's talk a little bit about the A's draft. Um, they've kind of changed things up in the last couple of years and gone. Uh, high school, which they don't necessarily always do, and position player, which they don't always do. Of course, Kyler Murray. Murray. Um, last year, they take Logan Davidson. Um, wh- what's your uh, overall impression of the A's and what they might do this year? Do they, like many teams, kind of refocus towards college players this year with only five rounds? I, 
I think that once you get past, I think that you still, uh, you know, where they're picking, you, you kind of have to let, they're, you know, picking where they are at 26, you kind of have to let the board kind of come to you a little bit. So I would absolutely, I think it'd be foolish to say, well, we're going to, you know, draft only college or only high, you know, or only high school in the first round. You kind of see where it goes there. After that first round, though, that is where I do think that it's going to be really college heavy because, for one, unless you're just trying to punt this draft, which, by the way, I, I will throw at least the theory out. If you're a team that's already trying to cut costs here, there, and everywhere, now, admittedly, no one is getting more than $100,000 in 2020 from this draft. So it's not like you're saving money in the short term. But if you're trying to save money in the long term, you know, it, there is some theories out there that some teams may try to not even spend their full allotment this year, which is a possibility. I at least want to throw that out there, but you get past the first round, you you probably want certainty, you know, which is going to be more certainty as far as signing college guys than high school guys, because the high school guys have more leverage. And on top of that, you have more certainty because you've had a much longer track record with these players. That said, I mean, we've in the first round, one of our mocks, we put Ed Howard, the uh, high school, you know, shortstop from Illinois mm-hmm. to the A's, and he didn't really even get to play this year. So I, you know, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but I, I guess what I'm saying is, is in the first round, I think you still at least consider doing that right. because in the first round, you're kind of looking at it's going to be a lot of college pitching at that level, at that spot. There are going to be some college bats, but you, it may be that the best guy on the board is a high school bat at that point, depending on how the board sets up ahead of them. And, and we certainly know that the A's are willing to take risks in the first round, as we saw a couple of years ago with Kyle yes. <laughs> Whether that and scared them away from it or not, I don't Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I, the, the mock that is uh, that we just came out with today, we have them taking Nick Lofton, uh, who's probably the best college shortstop. You know, it's not a great year for college shortstops, but arguably the best college shortstop in the class. So that kind of fits in that range, too. Again, when you're picking 26. That's where it gets really, I, I, you know, I, I'd love to say that we, we have a great insight on that, but so many things can happen before it that two guys get picked in the, uh, you know, in the teams that we didn't expect to get picked. And all of a sudden, whatever we think is going to happen for the teams at 25, 26, 27 is completely thrown in jumble because, oh, these guys, we didn't think we're going to be on the board still. Well, that's what makes it so fun. Now, the mm-hmm. Major League Draft is not uh, always the most watched of pro drafts. Uh, it certainly pales when it comes to things like the NFL Draft and the NBA Draft. But this year, with no games going on and nothing else happening, what are you guys expecting the focus? is? Will there be more focus? Will there be more interest? Will people actually be maybe even like kind of educating themselves a little bit on, on some of this? I think so in some ways, because again, it's also going to be the first time that we'll have the draft on two different channels. It'll be on MLB Network. We've got Carlos Plaza for us to be on that. And then ESPN's also doing a show, doing two drafts, you know, doing that. And the, the second day is going to be covered on TV, which has never really happened before. I mean, we've, we've come a long ways from it's amazingly enough. It was literally 25 years ago. They were MLB was still trying to keep the draft secret and wouldn't tell you where players were drafted, what rounds they went in, I, which is amazing to me at a time when ESPN was airing the NFL draft for, I think had been airing it for over a decade, 15 years at that point. We've gotten past that. That said, we also are losing one of the kind of symbiotic, you know, feeders to it, which is this was supposed to be the draft that was going to be in Omaha and was going to be tied in with the college world series. And we do lose something there. There's no college world series. 
it's not something where you're watching Spencer Torkelson hit a ton of home runs right in the lead up to the draft or Austin Martin, you know, hitting, you know, flirting with 400 or Asa Lacey, you know, throwing a no hitter. You don't have those kind of moments that help educate, you know, I, I wouldn't even say casual fans, but like MLB fans about the top draft prospects. Kumar Rocker became a household name last year, you know, even among, you know, I would say casual baseball fans because of an outing he had in the NCAA, you know, in the first round of the, of the, of the, of the playoffs. Well, you're not having that this year. So we have, there's no sports going on almost at all, which really does help the draft. But at the same time, what hurts it is, is that you're not getting to see these players on the field in the lead up to it to maybe make them a little bit more of household names. Right. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. I, I think that people, a lot of people who generally don't pay any attention to the draft certainly will. I'm not sure if they'll, they'll really know what they'll be looking at, but, uh, uh, hey, any attention at this point is, is probably good as far as baseball's concerned. Uh, yes. They have enough other problems. Here's yes. something that's probably should be at well, least a positive right now, I, I hope. I, and with that, I'll throw one other thing that could happen this year because it can be interesting. If we do have, I still think that we're going to have some sort of MLB season. The other interesting thing to watch is, is that normally the college pitchers, who I would say are kind of the guys who are often the fastest movers, Normally, the college pitchers are completely worn out by this point because if you're a good college pitcher, you've thrown 100 innings, 100 plus innings you've been throwing since January. That's not the case this year. If we have these 50 man, you know, this taxi squad that comes along, maybe we see one or two of these guys if we're having this kind of sprint type of, you know, season to get to the playoffs. There may be a guy or two who makes it from this draft conceivably, potentially, you know, who who you could make an argument, maybe he gets a few innings out of the bullpen at the end of the year, which would maybe add a little bit added interest to the draft, potentially. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, this is a time of year where especially those guys that would have been playing in Omaha have been starting games on Friday and then closing on Sunday and sometimes maybe even filling in a little bit more And if it's a really uh, important game. So, yeah, great points, JJ. Uh, really appreciate you joining us on A's Plus. That's a lot of really... Uh, top-notch expertise i encourage everyone who has an interest in amateur baseball college baseball the draft anything to do uh, with baseball please subscribe to baseball america it is just about the best and one of the older publications out there uh, and follow jj on on twitter what's your twitter handle jj jj coop 36 ah, jj coop 36 there you go for for all the for all the good information all the people there are wonderful and do great work jj thanks for joining us on a's plus thanks Susan. thanks again to jj cooper for joining us on a's plus you can follow him on twitter at jj coop 36 our producers today were king kaufman and g allen johnson we'll be back again next week with more ace plus thanks for listening ace plus is a production of the san francisco chronicle support ace plus and all of the chronicles journalism by signing up for a chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod